You're listening to Biz Souls, the business podcast with an edge, hosted by me, Rona Lewis, and Jeffrey Hansler. Tune in for perspectives and discoveries about the changing world of business. It's time to connect to the heart, soul, and humor of how business gets done. And we're live. Welcome to Biz Souls. I'm Rona Lewis. I'm Jeffrey Hansler, I think. I think, yeah. yeah. We've, I'm not we've sure had a do. morning. Wait, do the tagline. Oh, we get to the heart and soul of business and the people that make it happen. Yay, yeah. And we have an awesome person, one of my uh, play peeps, who, um, as I was saying earlier, we, we have a mutual admiration society. We're both kick-ass and, and schmott. Yeah, I very had, schmott. I hadn't noticed it before we turned the mics on. Yeah, we were like, you guys are just, you know, it was a quiet room. It's like, it's like doing delivery to a room of accountants or something. Yeah, yeah, right. That's us. We don't we don't say anything. Um, and yeah, so we are we are with Kathy Clote's guest, who is not only a and I'm going to let her fill it in a little bit. She's a former tech exec and she's a professional comedian. She's one of my play peeps, and we're talking about humor in the workplace, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hi, Kathy. Hello, hello, everyone. <laughs> so fill in what I missed. What else about your background makes you even more special than I know? Wow. Wow. That's a big order. I know it's such a, what a great introduction. I mean, you kind of nailed it. I, I really think it comes down to like business meets comedy. And, you know, I did, I did lead tech teams in, um, in Silicon Valley here, uh, for 15 years. Any companies you can mention? Oh gosh. Yahoo, Excite, uh, IBM, Autodesk, Gartner. Yeah. Phew. <laughs> I was steeped are, in the belly, belly are, of the beast. And then are, at night, yeah, 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 you're probably <laughs> smiling. You know some of these places. Well, and then at night, you know, I was doing stand-up and improv. And, and you know, after many years, I was like, you know, let's just merge the two. Because I know to some people, it was like, what? I really think what most companies need is sort of an infusion of humanity. And I think comedy does that in, on so many levels. Yeah. So that's the short of it. And sometimes people forget. It's like, no, you're talking to a business person who had PLs. I had to be accounted uh, uh, accountable for budgets. I had to explain what I was spending. I had to make sure teams sort of headed the same general direction, like herding cats. And so I remember what that was like. I also feel like you know so much of what we need today in our environment, sir. And and Rona, I know you're so on board with this. Is you know we need some psychological safety and some trust. Sure. Yeah. You were gonna say something? No, yeah. I just those are a fun places. I mean, those are those places are all bare of laughs. I'm sure the employees now, <laughs> these past couple of weeks, the employees yeah. there are just what, laughing what all employees? the way. There are no employees left. <laughs> There's no employees left. I mean, you can imagine it's so much fun. It's as fun as the CEO of Twitter. Yeah, but- <laughs> I mean, it's just a barrel of monkeys. Over. It's so much fun. Yeah, exactly. Like like tech. Nothing says tech like just known for fun. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, there's a a tech slash fun in mm-hmm. every chat about humor. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, people are saying, if only I had experience in tech, then I'd really understand humor. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I thought yeah. Elon Musk is good with an impromptu, you know, there sink you walking through the thing. I think that's good. So how did you get into stand-up from being yeah. in, in tech? Like what, what brought you in? Or Yeah. So again, I, I want to emphasize those were parallel paths. Ah. I was already doing comedy at night. I think oh. what, what I would say to people is it, there wasn't a, oh, she was in tech and now she's doing comedy. A actually, no, I was doing comedy at night. I was hitting comedy stages um, while working all day in tech. And the beautiful thing is that from the time I was in my 20s, I was doing stage work and it was the place I could experiment. I could fail. I could try new things. And even if the bit didn't work, I was celebrated for taking risks. Yeah. I was actually like encouraged by fellow comedians to like, no, go do that. Whereas in tech, it was, you know, here's your box. Here's the defined box. And yet tech is so completely hilariously, all right, hypocritical. I'm just going to say it. Um, just say they're it. They're like, innovate, innovate, innovate. <laughs> then as soon as you step out the box, back in the box, back in the box. And so we tell our employees, innovate. And yet, you know, we do have a little bit of a problem there. But but the so cut to Kathy's living a double life. Like Kathy is one Kathy at during the day in, in tech and then at night, and so I did this literally for 15, 16 years until I decided this is nuts. It makes sense to combine the two. So it was yes. never a switch from one to the other. It was a parallel path. Right. Then it was, this is silly. These two should intersect. These two should intersect. Well, my, I should have two lives. Yeah. My next question is, when did you sleep? Because I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't but you know, the thing is, I was happy. The thing, the thing that I, I know this is hard. Um, and once I became a mom, it became a little bit challenging. But for the first like 15 years or so, it was the thing that kept me going. It was the fuel because yeah. no matter how hard it was during the day. And you know what? There's nothing that men in tech love more than funny women. Oh, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I, you can imagine it was so easy. Easy for me. Uh, so the way that I sort of was able to deal with it is I, no matter how hard it was during the day, I could go to comedy at night and I felt like I could explore that other place, which is so funny because even though it, there was no guarantee that my jokes would land, everyone around me was like, do it, do it be bolder, be braver. And they were giving me that encouragement, encouragement that I never got when I was in tech. And I look like this. <laughs> so I am acutely aware that when I walk into a room and people are like, oh, because nothing, th if this doesn't say funny and also like Stanford educated, then I don't know what to <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. I get well, it. And I I'm, I'm sure I look like, you know. Yeah. And yeah. It, it must be what? Go ahead. No, no, you, <laughs> were, you were fine. Oh, was, I, I, was I too loud? I was signaling you because we're redlining oh, in the sorry, mic again. Sorry, sorry. So, yeah, I have to, I have so, to lean back. Wait, wait, yeah. let's. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Sorry. wait, wait. Well, I do have a well, question since okay. I've interrupted you and, okay. and probably trashed, We're just having fun. Yeah. trashed our audience's ears. <laughs> um, so so what sparked, before she gets to her question, mm -hmm. what what uh, sparked the comedy? What, 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 yeah, yeah. in terms of, so you, you were doing it in your 20s. Yeah. Well, did you have an inspiration? I mean, mine yeah. was, you know, it, it, he gets a lot of flack now because of other things. Yeah. Bill Cosby started my day off every morning. You know, Ooh. I started out as a child. I, he was great. So, yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah, no, the comedian, he who shall not be named. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because for, for me, what sparked my comedy are all the 
things that women experience that when we would try to speak up in tech, it was like it's it, it was never well received. Tech has a very well known woman problem, and that's very true. Um, and in my experience, that was very true. But when I would go and I would take a comedy stage, I could say, you know, I have a lot of jokes about being a woman in tech, everybody, but they've all been explained back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think when men explain it makes it funnier. And I would say things like that, and the audience would laugh so hard <laughs> but what it said to me is that uh, my experience was not isolated yeah. and the message i got when i showed up and i would at least say these things that were on my mind i knew that i wasn't alone and i didn't have the experience as a woman and then as i started managing bigger teams i didn't see people who looked like me and i turned around and i didn't have people who had my back who looked like me and yet when i was on a comedy stage and i would say these truths I, I was encouraged to say the truth people would and there was like, aha, I said something that they know is true. And they're laughing because they know it's true. So for me, it gave me courage. It gave me the courage that I didn't always have when I was in tech. So it literally started with tech. That's where the, you got the bug for comedy. I there, did not. No. I always no. knew I did not. I always knew I was going to do comedy. It's just that tech inspired my material. Okay. Yeah. Does, that make, does that make sense? Tech did not yeah. inspire comedy. <laughs> it just tech gave inspired. you fodder. <laughs> Yes, the it was fodder for material. Right, it, so, I, I think yeah. So yeah. like another guy you can't mention now, Scott Adams. <laughs> I, so, who I've met, who I've oh, met, and he's a great guy. I met him too. We met at a conference, and he was a, he was he was very dry, very straightforward, and he was very pragmatic about everything he did. Who did, did were you inspired by anybody? Uh, uh, George Carlin, uh, yeah. Flip Wilson. Uh, so I was inspired by a lot of comedians, and for me, a lot of the comedians. Were, were really funny guys. You know, definitely George Carlin, Flip Wilson, Geraldine. I mean, how do you not laugh at that? But right. for me, it was Carol Burnett. It was oh, Vicki Lawrence. It was, you know, Phyllis Diller. It was Mobs Mabley. It was a whole list of Mobs female Mabley. comedians. Gosh female comedians who were breaking down barriers. It was absolutely, you bet it was. So it was all of all of them. And tech, you know, again, to be clear, you know, while it <clears throat> never made me want to do comedy, I knew I would do comedy. I sort of knew when I was a kid. I just know that tech was just great material source. And anything that is challenges you, my family life, tech, anything can be a source of inspiration. But yeah, honestly, both. The answer is there were really amazing male comedians. There were female comedians. I loved them all. And I, I think probably Carol Burnett was the first time when I was a kid watching in syndication with my father. And my dad was like, you could do that. You see that? You could do that. And it was the first time as a child that I even saw a woman have her own show and be in charge of her destiny and making people laugh. And I went, wow. She was yeah. pretty awesome. And when we lose Carol, knock a wood, may she live to be forever. 300. Yes. May she live forever. I think all of us, there's so many women. She inspires so many generations yeah. of women. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, look at so, look at Betty White. <clears throat> Betty know? White. Died yeah. right before her 100th birthday. And she's a, she's yeah. an icon, you know? Yeah. For, uh, she's funny. She absolutely funny hysterical. lady. Funny. Hysterical. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So let's, let's bring your expertise and talk about humor in business. 
business, you know, especially with all the the issues that are being, you know, all the, the wokeness and things like that. People are walking on eggshells. So, you know, overall, how does humor impact productivity and morale and all that? And with what's going on, what do you see happening? Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear, but the, I also feel like that's always been the excuse with humor at mm-hmm. work. I mean, go back years and years and years. There's always been that um, the f- fear. I'm not funny. I'll offend somebody. I'll fail. I'll fail at, at, at jokes or whatever. And I, I think, first of all, I think we have to remember that, you know, humor is bigger than just jokes. Yeah. I mean, I do. I do write jokes. I do tell jokes. I'm also more than that. I'm also an improviser. I'm a trained improviser. And so I'm a play person in a, in a larger sense of the word. It's not just me holding a microphone and doing jokes. So when we think about humor, I think the, a lot of the fear comes from, am I funny? Am I qualified enough? Can I do it? And will I offend somebody? Because we're thinking in a very narrow definition of what humor is. And I want to expand that. I really do believe humor is playfulness. It's being human. It's embracing our imperfections and it's laughing at it. And if you have a sense of humor, if you can laugh at anything, if you are laughing at stuff, you have a sense of humor. Now, whether or not you're funny and not everybody can be a comedian, that's that's a different question, but you certainly own your sense of humor. So I understand the fear, but I think part of the fear is because we have a definition of humor that's very narrow. Um, number two, I think the reality of offending people is really actually very low. In my experience, very small percent of people actually cross that line. And it really is low in my experience. And I, I think, you know, the people, and I'm just going to say it, the people that I've heard go, well, I guess it can't be funny anymore because the woke police, you go back and you look at their jokes and it's like, they're making racial jokes and misogynistic jokes and homophobic jokes. And it's like, yeah, see, those were never really funny. (laughs) (laughs) And if all of a sudden we take that away and you've lost your humor voice, well, you really weren't that funny to begin with. And I say that with all honesty, because there's so many ways to be funny without offending people. You know what I mean? And if your humor relies on that, then maybe you rethink what humor is. You can be playful. You can crack up about your own stories. You can talk about all the stupid, you know, shit that happened to you over the weekend. You can talk about, oh my God, your mother-in-law's there and she won't leave. Like, (laughs) you know, you can talk about all the human things. There's so many human things we all experience. Kids, like, oh my God, kids, kids, kids. Oh my God. My kid's like, I'm going to change the world. I'm like, how about we start with you showering? How about we tackle that? How about you do that first? And like, just talk about the human things we all feel. That doesn't offend anybody. And so I think, Rona, the biggest thing that I think we need to step back about is look at how am I lifting people up and bringing them together Mm -hmm. versus am I making a person or a group of people the butt of the joke? If I'm doing that, bad. But if I'm lifting people up with a common human experience, good. That's good. And it really comes down to that simple. Is it that simple a litmus test? I believe yes. Well, great. All right. That's it for our podcast. So, okay. (laughs) She gave us the answer. (laughs) I think about this stuff all all day, every day. All day. So, so when you were talking, I'm thinking of Jeff Foxworthy. You may not be funny if you don't. No, that's right. You don't laugh at your own jokes. You may not be funny. Oh, everyone Um, is their own best audience when they they when they tell jokes. Yeah. So uh, I I was watching Cheers. You know the old series from. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that they've got humor, uh, and they did a couple of them on gay. Mm -hmm. These guys came into the bar. One of Sam's best friends was gay, and so he did a an interview, and so gay guy 
guys started coming to the bar. Well, the, half the bar is all upset because this is going to become a gay bar now. And they were trying to get him out. So that kind of humor, they weren't making fun of being gay. They were more making fun of those people that are terrified of it. Correct. And it was a bonding thing. So that, to me, though, is more risky at work because if you're talking those kind, that kind of humor is on a serious subject that people have been fighting for, that we, they've made progress on, mm -hmm. that we've made advances on, and yet it so easily could be misunderstood when I'm listening to their jokes and the humor on that. It, it is so on the line, and I'm thinking it wouldn't fly today. How about you? I disagree. I disagree. I think it's because, A, we when we use humor, it requires incredible empathy. What's our intent? Two, where are the landmines? Are we aware of that? And three, are we lifting people up and talking about how silly it is to have homophobia in today's world? Right. Or is our intent to hurt people? And I think audiences are smart and they sense it. So I feel like if we're going to use humor to talk about a touchy subject, we have to lead with tremendous empathy and be very clear. Yeah. Now, it isn't for the faint of heart. It isn't for the faint of heart. If you're not experienced in this kind of stuff, I exact I get why people are worried about it cuz because there are certain things that even experienced comics have to navigate very um, sort of, you know, deftly. And so in in hands that are maybe less experienced, there are some places you have to step over that you just might not have the awareness about. So I don't think you should avoid those. But I think what has to happen is if you go to those places, you have to know what you're doing. You have to go in with the right intent. But again, humor doesn't have to be that. That's a very specific application of humor when humor can just be, let's say the big things that aren't working in this company. Yeah. Let's just say the big things like, you know, let's just have the honest conversation about the fact that this shit ain't working for everybody. Yeah. Who here thinks this shit ain't working? Okay, it's <laughs> not working for us all. I'm sorry. I mean, can we have honest conversations? And I think that that's, that's what your employees want. They want the honest conversation. Gather, mm -hmm. you raised your hand in the Zoom meeting. Do you, oh, did that, I see Do you have a question? Do you have a question? I, is it funny that it automatically, when I did yeah, that, yeah, that's right. sort of, is it that funny? Maybe try it again. See or what, you were just, pops out. just, just have another one and you can raise the roof. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. Did it do it? No. Okay. Okay. You were in the tech world. You had a chip implanted into your brain and <laughs> you are now connected. connected to your computer. So you don't even have to touch the keys. You just think it. You're so, wireless yeah okay so so i'll give you a touchy this is a touchy story a touchy story so and two things carol burnett you talked about carol burnett and mm -hmm. hopefully she's around yep. forever well if she died yep, yep. how soon after she died could you do the humor at work and here's what happened <laughs> princess die died and i was doing a program for a client and the guy in the front room goes oh well you know what do you expect her to do with a name like die and it came into my mic and i got called like did you say that no <laughs> no, I didn't say it. I, I think it's funny. It's great. Except too soon. You know, yeah. that's those are the landmines you're talking about. And yes. they're so yes. depends on how sensitive people are or what they think. And everybody wanted to blow flowers that die was this perfect human being that everybody. Should, oh, we've lost somebody terrible. So, well, wonderful. And, yeah. and do you have suggestions where people could say mm, too soon? Yeah. You know, 
again, again, I would say to you that, again, we have to remember that humor is bigger than just jokes. That was a joke. Mm -hmm. Humor is expansive. Humor is us showing up and being playful and bouncing ideas off of each other. Humor is storytelling. So, again, I want to make sure that the audience, I'm really clear with the audience that what we're talking about in this instance is a very narrowly defined instance of humor as in a joke. And yes, not everybody is a joke teller. Trust me, I've taught comedy classes. (laughs) There are people that, like, I can't give you what God did. I cannot do that. (laughs) Um, And sorry, some of us are funny. Some of us are going to be over there painting houses. I don't know. I didn't ask for that. Um, So I think, yes. But if we go back to jokes, let's understand a couple things. Because I want to be very clear about the intent. Humor is not jokes. But if we're talking about jokes, two things. Empathy and timing. Jokes have context and they have timing. Too soon, um, when it's still raw, it can be too soon. Number two, when you're talking about somebody who's very beloved, nobody thinks she's perfect. But when it's somebody beloved, people go. And number three, what's the intent? What's the intent? Were you trying to get a laugh or did you have something powerful you wanted to say? Like if you were really trying to make a point about we're all imperfect, even Lady, you know, Die, Princess Die was imperfect, then your joke should have been maybe set up differently. Right. And people are people are smart and they sense it. If you're trying to get a laugh at a tragedy, that never goes well. And even comedians who are very experienced, we've all seen step in it and they're experienced. Right. So, I, yeah, Chris, yeah. Chris Rock. Uh, what, what was it? What do you call it? Uh, not ovation. Uh, what do you call his last one that he just did where he talked about the Will Smith slap? He, yeah. did, a, he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, he did. And yeah. even though one of his jokes, he, he oh, messed it up. Yeah, because it, yeah. it was real though. You could see the tension on it. He yeah. hadn't had a lot of time to clear that material. Yeah. I don't believe. I mean, even though a year yeah. went by, a lot of it I think came at. Yeah, yeah. I think he he made people wait strategically to the very end to hear that, and I think he wanted to people. Leave, oh yeah. When is he going to talk about? When is he going to talk about? It was very strategic at the end, and I, I, you know, I think that's exactly right. And he he balanced out that those tensions. I think the difference is for what like somebody like Chris Rock is like. Um, he wasn't just talking about somebody else that he had no connection to the tragedy happened to him it was personal and that's another big lesson if i'm talking about somebody dying that i have no connection to it is not my story people go why do you need to talk about x for example i actually wasn't that impressed that he talked about Meghan markle he doesn't Mm. know her i actually thought that joke was kind of stupid i'll say it as a comedian, I went, mm-hmm. you don't need to go there. You don't know her. Right. But when he talked about Will Smith, ah, he has every right to because the slap happened to him. Right. So now he's talking about his experience. So that's a really important point about humor. If you're going to make a joke, making a joke about somebody else is risky. But when I make a joke about what happened to me or our common experience that maybe we've all shared, that's different because now it's my story. And that is why his material on Will Smith, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And his material on Megan and Markle, I was like, he doesn't know her. He doesn't need to go there. Why go there? You know, that's excellent nuance because, and people feel that famous people are fair game. They do? They I do. think I think they do, and I think that that nuance that you picked out is how people get in trouble. Because that's exactly how they get in trouble. That's how they get in trouble. Yeah. And if you want to lower your risk, simply ask yourself this: Did it happen to me? Is it my voice? Now, when I talk about the things that happened to me in tech, I talk about a lot of comedy. Even my family, you know, my dad was a vet; he had PTSD. I talk about all these things. No one ever thinks that I'm being glib because I I frame it through the lens of my upbringing 
my family, my story. So it's not me going around making jokes about PTSD unanchored. It's this is my story. This is my upbringing. And whether you like it or not, that is my story and my right to comment on that. And that is a very big difference. And even though I personally think, you know, celebrities are not punching down, they have power and access and nobody's feeling sorry for, you know, uh, her lack of, you know, agency. Still, what she went through was depression, being attacked at a global scale. And I still think that, you know, the way Black women are treated, like there are certain things that, you know, maybe he didn't need to touch. But when it came to talking about Will Smith, he had every right Right. because Will Smith slapped him in front of an audience globally of millions of people in front of his family. And so I would say just be aware of owning your story with comedy versus me making somebody else who didn't do anything to me the subject of that joke it will never land well mm-hmm. and is that the shortcut that he punched down on punching down and punching up are different yes punching yeah, no. down yeah yes i think the perception was that he pu- that he was punching down right yeah, okay. but keep in mind that punching down can be a little tricky punching down um is typically marginalized groups now you could say he wasn't punching down on her because she has agency she has millions of dollars she's married to arguably one of the most famous princes in the world. All those things are true. Uh, no one's feeling sorry for her that she won't land on her feet, that she will be, you know, because she she will. She has she has money, she has access, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he thought when he made that joke about Jada. The Smiths are privileged. Yeah. Everyone in this room is privileged. Chris Rock in his mind never thought he was punching down. And I'm I'm with him on that. Everybody in that room was privileged. So there he didn't even, I think, think he was punching down. And well, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. But I think we also have to look at punching down can include other things though. Somebody being who has struggles with mental illness or depression. There's other things we have to be careful of punching down. And just because somebody's famous or has money, depression doesn't care. Um, You know what I mean? Mental illness doesn't care. And there are certain things we just have to be careful. And audiences, you know what? They sense meanness. They sense it. And when they go, you don't have to comment on that. You should know better. Audiences are not forgiving. But if it's your story, you talking about your stuff, it's 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 nuanced at that level. Right, right. Yeah. So you know, I want to uh, since this is a business podcast. Yeah. Um, so so <laughs> yeah. Let, uh, so talk to us a little bit about what you do when you go into yeah. businesses, how you help them to use humor, humor better, and all that kind of stuff. All that nifty yeah, stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So there, there's different layers. There's uh-huh. different layers. Sometimes I'm helping them with a very specific set of skills. For example, uh, I just worked with a team that wanted to be better communicators and storytellers. So I brought in a lot of improv and stand-up comedy tools to help them achieve an, that X that X number of results. That was very specific. Mm-hmm. I did a talk for a company on humor as well-being for their culture. So I went in and I did that. Mm-hmm. So first we have to ask, what do you want to do? So sometimes it really is about understanding what healthy laughter and humor in the culture looks like and having a conversation about that. And sometimes it's really at that team level. Like, why aren't people laughing here? Well, when people aren't laughing, they don't feel safe and they don't have trust. So then we have to start working on psychological safety and trust issues. Right. And that tells me, Rona, that I got to go in there with a, set, a bag of tricks and tools to fix the psychological safety right. of that team. Yeah. Do you, do, you yeah. do that in person and online? I, both. Yes. I, th- I love doing it in person, especially because you can kind of get in there. Right. But yeah, I've done it online as well. Yeah. Just... Side, did you have another nope. direct business Oh, you, question? baby. Sorry. <laughs> uh, 
So on the business of getting into the comedy and going and, and stand up. So we had a guy down here named Bill Word and he used to run, he'd show, he had a couple of different clubs. And once you got to know Bill, you'd just call him up and he'd put you on a slate for the night. Nice. To get on. How did you, how do you get your gigs? What's the business side of getting your gigs? Mm. So it's a lot of things. There's a lot of networking. I do, I do comedy pretty consistently. So I um, network with other comedians to get on their shows. I've made friends with a lot of club owners to do clubs and I am in touch with them. When can I get on there? And sometimes I just call them. Hey, you got an opening? You got an opening? Yes, I do that. I do a lot of comedy festivals. Comedy festivals are huge because that's where you can get previewed and seen. So for example, this summer, I'll be back down in LA doing um, the Burbank Comedy Festival, which is a big one. You better call me. Um, Yeah. I'm coming to see you. (laughs) I will. I will be down there. So those are the kinds of things. So yeah, you definitely got to call the clubs. You have to have your reel, your comedy reels. You have to have sort of branding and it gets really interesting because just like you would brand yourself as a speaker or a business, you have to brand yourself as a comedian too. It's the same thing, yeah, actually. I guess yeah. it is. Yeah. I guess it is. Yeah. And then are you working with any bureaus or agents for getting you booked in corporate engagements? You know, I have ha- I have been approached by agents and I've worked with a couple, but most of the gigs that I get for speaking have been on my own. And here's the dirty secret that probably bureaus will tell you if you ask is that here's the irony. A bureau won't even be interested interested in you unless you show up at a party and you got 50 guys around you. Then they're like, oh, what's going on there? Okay. But (laughs) if you show up to a party and you're sparkly and they don't see interest from other people, they're not interested until you, they know you can hunt for yourself. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. Obviously bathing would come in handy for getting a crowd around you. (laughs) Yeah. You got to be able to, I think, hunt and kind of develop your own buzz and make sure that you have your own kind of steady stream. And they want to see branding too. I think they want to know who are you? And so for me, you know, I think having a background in corporate, but also being a comedian gives me maybe a little bit more nuance than maybe the average corporate speaker. And so the people that hire you, do they have any concerns, the corporate engagements, do they have any yeah. concerns? Where are they coming from when they're able, able to hire you? What are they seeing? You know, mm-hmm. how does how does it all go? Hey, let's call Kathy. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting because people call me for a couple different reasons. People maybe have found videos or a couple of published articles or, you know, sometimes people have read my book. They've bought my book online. They've read it. They're like, I like the way she thinks. I think that sometimes people do call me and they have concerns. They're like, hey, I really like you. I like what you said. And it's funny to me and not in it, like, I don't mean it in any mean way, but they forget that, you know, I was in corporate because they're like, yeah, we're really nervous about the comedy piece, but we like you. And I'm, and then I'm able to say, look, I get it. You're worried about where the line is. You're worried about will this be appropriate? You're worried about what's the business impact of it? Well, how about we talk about, for example, a lot of my keynotes are about change. They're about change and leading through uncertainty. It just so happens that laughter and humor and improv principles get us there. How about we talk about that? You're still getting your keynote needs met are on change, but it's just not going to be boring. And then they're like, oh, that sounds great. So I think the fears are real because, you know, comedy and humor scare people. But 
deep down, what really is interesting is that the concerns and the fears are really universal. Mm -hmm. They're really universal. And I, I think I just try to speak to that human fear that's there and what they need. Yeah. And sometimes they call me and they love me, but they're not sure what to do. And then sometimes they're ready to go like anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that's like a lot of consulting where you really yeah. have to hold their hands throughout the whole thing because they yep. may not know what they want. You know, my mom was an interior yeah. designer and she always says people, yeah. she always said people don't necessarily know what they want and they know what they don't want. That's that exactly happens. right. Yeah. Nobody calls me and says, my humor's broken. Can you come over and fix it? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, oh, I know their humor is broken. I can hear that their humor is broken. It busted. It busted. Um, but it's not that that's what they're calling me for. I think what they're really interested in is my way of looking at business, which is really more human. The fact that laughter is a signal of trust and safety. Mm -hmm. And when it goes AWOL, you have a problem. Yeah. So you can demean humor all you want and say it doesn't belong in business. But let me be very clear. Would you want to work in an environment where nobody laughed and there was no laughter? Yeah, it, it signals that that environment is toxic. So rather than worry about the humor piece, let's talk about why your, your um, workplaces are toxic and why people are afraid and why there's no trust and there's no laughter. Let's look at that and what we need to change. Right. Oh, it just so happens these tools are really good at fixing that. Right. And I think that's really kind of usually the lens in. And then sometimes people are like, oh, can you make it funny? Always. The comedy bits are embedded. Right. They're embedded in everything I do. But it's really, I think comedy is the language for discussing this hard stuff, like yeah. why, you're, why your workplace sucks so bad. <laughs> what's, your, what's your line about change, Jeffrey? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love change. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> it's everybody's favorite. Yeah. Everybody loves change. Oh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? We change all the time. No. I changed my, my clothes just this morning. So there you go. <laughs> Yes, we, we greatly lack humor here. And yeah. working with Rona, I she's tell. kind of stiff. I know. I know. It's just really hard to get you guys to laugh. I'm I just know. Really we, we are so boring. So yeah. what kind of tips, let's do it both ways. What do you have in terms of tips for making a little easier in the corporate setting and then tips for people who may want to go into comedy? So let's yeah. do the whole gamut. So tips for in the workplace, you mean using using humor yeah. or whatever? Yeah. So again, um, it's, it's one of the reasons why I always make sure we understand that we're talking the same language. So mm -hmm. don't frame it as jokes. Mm -hmm. Frame it as showing up and being, you know, a great storyteller, being playful, being willing to improvise being willing to, in a meeting, say a ridiculous idea, being willing to, you know, maybe do a joke if jokes are your thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ways to be, you know, have fun, find what's right for you. It's what's right for you. Got it. But that also means we all want safety. So I tell people, show up and be the person for somebody else you wish somebody would be for you. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, but what if it doesn't work? Well, here's the thing. Are you showing up for people now when they try things at work? Are you there to have their backs? So if you want more of that in your team, show up and be that person. Even if, you know, Bob, Bob's got a million jokes. Okay, 90% of them are not funny. But you know what? That's not the point. The point is Bob, God bless his soul. He's trying crying and he's an as long as he's not hurting anybody he's not punching down he's innocuous that's fun for him so let's just make it safe for people to accept have self-expression right so let's do that let's just support support each other um that's really important you know and and i think that's that and if you're in a position where you lead a team or run a team make sure you make that an important part of how you operate make sure that people know every day it's okay to have fun here model it sure make mistakes apologize have fun with it poke fun at yourself make 
make it that safe space. But leaders who lead teams, and even if you're not, you're just an individual contributor, you can show up and and make it safer for other people. So yeah, don't wait for permission. Don't wait for permission. I think the other question you asked was really more comedy. Yeah, it was just basically if if somebody wanted to get into comedy, should they go to a class? Should they just jump in? What do you think? It depends on what you want to do. If you want to um, be more nimble and think on your feet, definitely take an improv class. If you want to do stand-up comedy, just open mic. Go to an open mic. Find out where the open mics are in your city. And chances are there's a number. And maybe go to your local comedy club. And hey, do you have open mics that I can try? And then show up. And one of, don't judge yourself. You got to start somewhere. Open mics, just jump in. You'll also meet other people like yourself that are growing and learning. And you'll make friends. And that's really important because you'll need a community around you to bounce ideas off of and grow with. So I think it's a great place to start to cultivate a community around you of support. And I I have one more kind of tip question or or suggestion. Yeah. Well, I'm going to generalize. HR is generally the one that worries about the comedy and the humor that goes on at work. Mm -hmm. I got hired for a job. This is back in the 90s. Got hired for a job. The HR person, I have a line. They they saw me do another program and I have a Mm -hmm. line and the line says, ah, you know, this group and the different groups stand up and this one group stands <clears throat> up and the line is, oh yeah, um, 80% of the time they're thinking of sex. The room loved it. It was a it was a great line to a lot serious discussion anyway. So she goes, the HR person said, you can't say that line. You have to change that line. <laughs> the VP of sales goes, oh no, you have to say that line. <laughs> Oh, no, if you don't do that, you won't get on the stage. So I had two different things yeah. and uh, going on. So, hey, I, uh, he was the boss. He was the hired. HR yeah. said, we'll never we'll never get you in here again. I believe that's going on. And I think that's part of the problem of humor in the workplace. That HR is once you get once you get slapped for something and, you know, and it only takes one party within the organization. So do you have recommendations for HR to improve their knowledge? And, you know, that Not wasn't be punching. so scared of everything. Yeah. And you know, what's, you know, what's interesting if it had been me as a woman saying that line wouldn't have been a problem to the HR person. I don't believe rather than a male. Uh, so, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Oh, we do know. We do yeah. know. I think, I think yeah, I think we have, I think we would have been like thrown out. You whore, you whore, yeah. you round yeah, heels. You would, you know? would have, yeah. I, I'm not sure I agree with that based on just my experience being male dominated spaces as a woman and being funny, yeah. funny in a, in a male dominated space. I, I think that's scary for people being being a funny woman. The only thing more scary than a, a funny guy to you know, HR is a funny woman mm-hmm. to HR. Um, so so oh. I'm not sure. But I would say this. Yes, I've been a funny woman all my life. Trust me, I have the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is scary. It's scary because they because you go against type and they, they don't know what to do with that. I, I love your your anecdote so much because it I've known it's you you encapsulated in that story exactly the difference between HR and sales. And I just love it because it's so true. It's so true. I, I think it's really interesting. I think HR has I've met a lot of HR people that are very funny and they're trying to change that. They really are. And I've also met a bunch of salespeople who are very funny, but they don't have boundaries. And one of the things that I think has to happen is that some salespeople are great. Some salespeople go, I think, a little overboard. And they also have to remember that the sales team isn't the guys anymore. It's women. It's people of color. It's, you know, gay people. And it's, it, it looks different. And we have to make sure that people are, are generally safe. The other thing is HR is always worried about, you know, offending everybody. So they go to the lowest common denominator. And sometimes like that's not, that that can be weird too, right? It can be. It absolutely, absolutely. can be. So I think that the, um, I, ha- I have a, a 
workshop that I've done with HR people, and it's really about HR's responsibility. And part of what HR has to do is help people understand where the boundaries are. HR has to get educated. You're right. And so when I work with HR, I'm like, all right, well, what are the rules for humor? Oh, we don't really have any, but we tell people to have fun. And I hold them accountable. Well, what does that mean? Because if you're telling people to have fun, it's the same garbage that I heard back in tech, which is go innovate, but don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And so we're constantly getting mixed messages. Correct. So part of what HR has to do, and you're right, it's they have to define what does fun look like? What are examples of what's appropriate or what's not? And let every group, here's the other part, every group should be able to define what works in that group. But remember, once you're out of that group, you still have to remember that there is the corporate, there's the corporate values Mm -hmm. and it should work with the corporate values. But I'm very clear when I was running teams with the people that worked for me, what was allowable in this group. So just be very, very clear. And yeah, you're right. HR has to have those conversations and they have to show up and make it clear to people what's okay. Absolutely. But so there's, there's a little bit of conservatism, but I think it's because it's not for lack of a good reason. I mean, when I was in tech, again, for all those years I was in tech, I heard every absolute misogynistic joke you can imagine. I heard homophobic jokes. I heard racist jokes. And when they were called out on that, the response was always, well, you can't take a joke. And I was like, bitch, I can write jokes better than you. (laughs) I can write you up and down. I can all day long. You don't know how to write a joke. So how about I teach you how to be funny and not an asshole? I think part of the problem is, is that the people who are feeling like I can't make jokes anymore, some of them need to take accountability, not just HR. Some of those jokes, and Rona, you know this, as a woman in the world, they cross an absolute line. Oh, yeah. And they just never were held accountable. Right. So when people give me that, I laugh. I'm like, my jokes will beat your jokes. They could kick your jokes ass every day of the week. Right. (laughs) And I'll show you how to write proper jokes. But if you think to get a laugh, you have to make fun of other people. That's exactly the problem. Right. And I I had that when I was selling advertising in New York. You know, it wasn't Mad Men, but it wasn't that far. And there was a glass ceiling. And, you know, because I look good in a suit, they thought they could take liberties in more than one way. And that's right. They soon found out different. And it was, you know, it was incredibly frustrating because it's hard to get taken seriously. People think if you're fairly attracted, I'm Kathy, I'm I'm, I'm sure you found out this, that, oh, you have it easy in in work. No, you have to work twice as hard, especially for you. I mean, Penn State's a good school, but it's not Stanford. It's like, yeah, I'm good looking and I went to Stanford. So screw you. (laughs) And it's hard to get over. And I think women like us make men uncomfortable. They do. They do. And also, too, because I was funny, I think the other thing that's interesting that funny women get is that so when I first showed up and like because I am funny and I love to laugh Mm -hmm. sometimes men were like oh that's such a relief but that doesn't mean that your parade of dumb ass offensive jokes can start now right right that's not license and I think that there it's like you can be funny around me and I will joke with you but appropriate humor right right yeah and I think those are sort of the boundaries that people also have to take responsibility because every time somebody gets offended they go to HR and HR is like, okay, now we have to like, uh, this is why we can't have nice things. 
Yeah. So I think part of it is like, yeah, HR, lighten up, 100%. And part of it is also everybody else, don't be an a-hole with your humor. Yeah. Just get over it. Anyway. All right. So if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Easy peasy. You can contact me on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me at LinkedIn. You can go to my website. It's keepingithuman, keepingithuman.com. All one giant word. Um, And reach me there. And either of those is good. Okay. Do you have your book handy where you can flip it on the screen? No. Um, I do. I do. I do. I do. I don't know. I have to turn off because I think I have it like um set to blur. So I don't know. Put it in front of your face. Yeah. Put it. Put it right in front of your face. Nope. A little. There you go. Stop boring me. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. There we go. Stop boring me. And the way I get in touch with Kathy, I just lean my head out the window and say, "Hey, Kathy." Anyway, this has been so much fun. It has been a blast. Thank you, Kathy. And excellent. Excellent. Yeah, Uh, this is. And I'm going to come on your podcast, Kathy. I'm coming on yours. No, absolutely. Come and let's talk. I love talking to smart, funny women that are about lifting people up with their humor. You know, we don't have to to punch down. We can can lift up. Except except for him. I punch down on him all the time. And he's six foot four, so it's not easy. (laughs) See, you're six four. I'm five three. See, Rona and I have never met in person. And everybody thinks that I have BDE. Um, everyone, and they're like, and I'm like, how do you think? But I somehow give off give off a tall vibe. Me too. But I'm only, but I'm five three. Well, I'm so I'm real tall. Every, I'm I'm five four and a half. So yeah. Everybody's so disappointed when they meet me. They're like, they're like, you're amazing. But I thought you were taller. <laughs> Like my, like my, somehow my headshot has BDE. Right, like, is that what you say? I mean, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on phone books right now. Anyway, all right, we, <laughs> that is it. our time, as, as you guys say. Uh, I'm Rona Lewis. I'm Jeffrey Hansler. That's Kathy Close. Guest, thanks for being here. This has been Biz Souls. Thank you. See you later. You've been listening to the Biz Souls podcast with your hosts Rona Lewis and Jeffrey Hansler. Did you have fun? Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Talk to you next week.